in Movement podcast where we have a very exciting guest on our show today. Now our guest began a career as a property developer in New York where her first idea was initially born. Um, she has a very exciting business called Built ID which is a real estate technology startup which I can't wait to find out more about and I was actually reading more about my guest today and it was interesting to see um, I suppose the influence and change that she wants to see for women specifically in property tech. So episode 25 welcomes Savannah de Savary the founder of Built ID. Welcome, Savannah. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Thank you so much for having me. Ah, yeah, no, I'm of course. To be here. Um, we've never had a property tech founder um, on the show, so it's always good to find someone uh, kind of within a niche at the moment, which is great. Yeah, it's, a, it's an exciting <laughs> niche to be in because it's actually relatively new. Um, yeah. Property has been pretty behind the curve in terms of adopting technology. So, um, so I'm not, I'm not surprised you haven't had a, had a what's called prop tech sort of founder on before. I love it. Um, so how did it all begin, Savannah? So, um, I understand you had a kind of real estate life in New York. It's, it sounds a bit like the dream. What was that like? <laughs> um, well, to be honest, I, I never, I never set out to be a tech founder. It really was a case of being immersed in the industry, experiencing frustrations and problems firsthand with, you know, how, how little digitization there was. You know, it was really about your black book, who you knew with what you knew. And um, it was an old boys club, for, for want of a better phrase. Um, and it was, it was experiencing this at one of the sort of cool, prominent developers in New York and thinking, if it's a frustration here, what's it like if you're trying to set up your own property business or you're trying, you're, you know, you're running a, a smaller emerging firm? And um, that's really where the idea for Built ID was born out of, out of experiencing it firsthand. Great, great. And um, talk to us about Built ID. So it started in New York, but you're based in London, is that right? I am, yes. Yeah. So, so based in London, but we have some, a bit of a global footprint because we have all the leading consultants. So that can be architects, engineers, interior designers, you name it. Anyone who goes in to shaping the built environment are showcasing their work um, around the world. And we geotag it and map it out. So we, kind of, we say it's kind of like the Shazam for the built environment you'll get out your phone and you'll instantly know who's behind a project. Um, and different ways you can use that is, is pretty cool. That's really cool. And um, so how does it work? So who's your kind of main client base and, and how does it work for, I suppose, the person who comes to Built ID? What, what would they be, what's the kind of typical user journey, I suppose? So it's, there's two different sides of the marketplace. On the one side, you have the innovative consultants who are showcasing their projects, their collaborations, their track record. And on the other side, you have their clients. And that could be a property developer or it could be a hotelier, a restauranter, anyone really who's designing and building a scheme. So they can use Built ID kind of like a professional Pinterest to find interesting precedents, to connect with the teams behind those projects that have done cool work. And then when they've organized all that precedent and they've, and they've seen these track records, they can actually harness that to engage the wider community. So anyone who's living or working in the area where they're going to be doing the project, they can engage them to say, okay, for the you know, courtyard garden, this is our ideas of what we think is, is interesting precedent for the scheme. And now you can like or dislike what you think, what you think you would like best there. Or what do you want us to have on the ground floor? Do you, you can vote to either there be a gym or a cafe and just really trying to, 
to, to, to harness showcasing the track record. So having the wider community go on that sort of digital um, tour of the architect they've hired's past work and, and sort of, yeah, be part of the process for once. Because like I said, it's been a pretty closed, closed circle previously. And in terms of, are there other, um, I suppose, startups or maybe more established businesses who are doing something similar, or is this pretty new to the, because I mean, property tech is a really new kind of niche part of technology startups. Are you finding it hard or is it easier being one of the kind of first few? Um, I think I think I was just really lucky. Like I said, I hadn't planned to go into tech and I had no idea what even prop tech was when I founded the business. So to find that I'd sort of... Um, was launching at a time when finally the industry was starting to adopt technology and, and that this movement was really taking off was incredibly um, fortunate. I think a lot of it comes down to timing and luck, whether you're successful with your business or not. Um, yeah. You can, you, know, you, you obviously have to try your hardest as well, but certainly I would say we're lucky in our timing. Um, everyone who's been solving these, you know, attempting to solve these problems that we're addressing um, for, for decades, you know, for generations, and it's been pretty time consuming and, and laborious. You know, if you if you want to engage with a project that's going up in your community and have your voice heard, you have to go in person to the meeting and listen to everyone's complaints and then raise your own hand. Or if yeah. you just are interested in the design, you have to go to like a physical you know meeting room and look at the at the different pictures on boards. Um, it's pretty yeah, it's pretty limiting. And as a developer, you have to do what I was doing, which was calling around your network, trying to find out who's done interesting projects, who's right to work with for a particular scheme. Um, so, so yeah, I think, if there's, I think if there's nothing going on to the problem you're solving, maybe it's not a hot enough market, yeah. but it's exciting to be there when tech solutions for these problems are first really taking off. A hundred percent. And is it, I, do you kind of have a client base across the world or is it kind of just specific uh, kind of countries that you're seeing a trend or is it just in the UK at the moment? So at the moment, our focus is on the UK. So most of our clients are in the UK, but we've had really inspiring consultants join from all over. So people who do sort of modular um, construction, which is when it's sort of prefabricated in a factory. We have people joining from New York, from Scandinavia, from, from all over. And the same with like people who work for leading companies like Google and Amazon who are doing their build outs. Um, wow. They, they join from all over because the coolest projects you know, aren't in one place. You want to see a global sort of um, preview of it. Wow, that's, that's really cool. Um, and for you, kind of as, I mean, you've come from a real estate background, um, so I would say a fairly corporate and like an established kind of business. And obviously you're in the world of, um, I suppose, startups now and, and tech startups. What's been the sort of biggest challenge, whether that's with um, building the team or say raising investment for example what's been the biggest challenge for you um i think building the team has definitely been the biggest challenge um i didn't didn't have that network built in to, to hire from and finding finding the right people and, and creating a company culture so that you, you know you're building the sort of company you want to is something that took up a lot of time and it was worth the hard work because we have an amazing team and and a really great sort of um you know, sort of internal community as well. So it was worth it was worth the sort of effort that went into it. But hiring and, and HR is, is incredibly challenging. Like hats off to everyone who does that. Um, it's not my strong suit. <laughs> I think every um, kind of founder that's been a guest in this show that that's been the one challenge when they started their business. It's finding the right people, but also keeping them as well. But also, if you make a mistake, you hire the wrong person, getting rid of them as well. Um, so yeah, that's why they usually yeah. hire people 
Yeah, and I mean, and, and the sort of pe the people that, when, especially when you're a small lean team to begin with, the people that are, you know, in their day in and day out, they've got to be willing to put their lifeblood into it. This has to be their passion and their baby as much as yours. So, so yeah, it's, it's a pretty serious decision once you start hiring people in-house. Definitely, 100%. And moving on to a different sort of topic, do you think there's still a sort of significant gap between uh, the representation of women in tech businesses? I mean, let alone a sort of niche part of, property tech but do you think there still is a lack of representation of women in tech i think yeah i mean being being at the intersection of real estate and tech um those are two industries that are both pretty poor for, for female representation yeah. and diversity <laughs> in general i think it's important to stress that it's not it's not just female representation it's, it's having more diversity in the industry at all is um is really important definitely and what do you think, uh, I suppose, needs to change to see more, I suppose, diverse as well as females in technology? What would you like to see change? I think it needs to change at both ends of the spectrum. I think there needs to be more done, which which is already happening. And I think you guys are, are you know, key part of this to inspire and encourage young girls to to study STEM subjects and to and to pursue interests in tech. And um, it's not just about education. You know, I've, I was giving a talk a while back at a university, and a young woman came up to me and said, I'm just so blown away that you're, you know, in property and tech as a, as a young, um, you know, woman um, of colour, I really struggled to, to see how I could fit in in that world. Wow. And that was, that was, it was, it was, and she was like, how, what, has it been a struggle? Like, tell me all the, how awful it's been. And I really wanted to be like, oh my God, yeah, I have so many stories for you. But instead I had to take a step back and think, no, this is clearly a brilliantly smart, um, women I don't want to put her off you know there's we need to do more to make sure that women feel welcome coming into the industry it's not enough she clearly had the skill set she was incredibly smart she had the you know technical background to thrive in tech and she but she just didn't feel like she was welcome and I think that's that's a dialogue we need to improve is, is saying that this is a brilliant place for the women to work um, or for minorities to work in and that, that they will be welcome and embraced um, yeah. and that and that goes that goes all the way up I think that when you get to the stage of you know the senior positions um, the way you, you see better sort of female representation there is by making it easier for men to, to you know take on take on the role that traditionally women have you know being being the primary caregiver or being able to split the parental duties I think split parental leave is incredibly important um, because a woman shouldn't have to do it all you know haven't that this whole this whole idea concept that you know the woman who has it all you can have it all if you're both sharing having it all both the family life and the work life and I think we'll see much more women at the top once it's more acceptable for the man to, you know, be the one to leave at 3 p.m. when when their kid is sick, as well as yeah. the, the wife, when they can take it in terms. I think that's how you see the big difference. Definitely. And I think um, corporate companies kind of need to change the mentality um, kind of at the top as well, because I think startups are kind of when you when you start a new business, um, whether it's a small business or a startup where you're looking to grow. I think if you've got a good founder, which is have to have these kind of principles in their head already, I think that will kind of filter down to anyone you employ, um, which I think is really important. But I think these corporate companies, they need to make a huge mentality that will change completely. Completely agree. Completely agree. And it has to, you know, it has to come from the top. If you see your, you know, male boss clocking off because he wants to spend time with his kids, you feel much more like like you're able to have that balance yourself. I think that's really important. One hundred percent. And what's exciting that's coming up in twenty eighteen then for Built ID or kind of what what are the next sort of big plans? 
Oh, I'm so excited for, for 2018. So we've been, you know, spending our time getting to the stage where we have this critical mass of all the leading consultants in the industry as members of Built ID showcasing their work. And it's so exciting to have reached that point. And so now we can start rolling, rolling out our community engagement tools to let everyone have a voice in the process and feel engaged with what's being built around them. Um, so that's sort of our, our focus for the rest of the year is rolling out a pilot program for that. And um, yeah, so not, not much sleep to be had, but, uh, but a lot of excitement. No, that's really good. It's interesting. And do you think, um, have you found kind of getting critical mass, has that been a, a, a struggle? Because I, whenever I talk to startups, it's always like getting over that first hurdle of not only the first sort of uh, client or customer, but then it's like the first hundred, first 200, 500, a thousand. Um, how have you found that sort of process with the team as well? Um, it was definitely challenging. I think there's sort of different milestones you have to hit. So to start with, when it was just a vision, it was just an idea. Getting those early adopters to take the leap was, yeah. was incredibly hard. Definitely. Once we, we got to a certain point, we had certain big names who joined, um, some of the leading architects and engineers, it became a lot easier. Um, but but it, never, it never stops being a challenge, I don't think. There's, there's always someone that you really that has some inspiring work that you want to get on board um that you're that you're continuing to, to pursue so it's never really done i think that's that's one of the frustrations with the startup is as soon as you hit one milestone you're on to the next and you never really get to, to feel like cool i've done it and so i say we've hit critical mass and we have we have all these consultants but every time i then see someone else's you know a cool emerging practice has done an awesome fit out i'm desperate to get them on board so it's, it's never it's never really done i say that's one of the challenges yeah, I think uh, founders are never satisfied and that's what makes them the founder of kind of great companies. They're never satisfied <laughs> with the milestone. <laughs> um, that's comforting to hear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so final question, what I love to ask all my guests. Um, if you could give your younger self any advice, what would it be? Oh, I wish I could. It would be, you have time. Stop panicking. You know, when, when I left Oxford in 2013 and... I was just so stressed about what I was going to do. I had no idea. Um, and I, I, I never stopped and, and took a breath and, and just enjoyed all the exploring the opportunities around me. You know, like I'm, I'm really lucky that I landed in an industry that was really frustratingly um, backwards and was then able to find my niche. But I wish I'd taken that time when I finished to just enjoy myself a bit and to, and to explore things. Um, and that's, that's the advice I would give to my younger self is it will work itself out don't be rushing to always get to that next achievement enjoy enjoy the way before you get there as well and I think that generation out of university I mean I can completely relate to that you you feel like this sort of pressure which is never really said directly from like lecturers or say your parents oh, but you. as soon as you finish university okay now you need to get your job and then you're like oh my god like when do I breathe is that just life now like your work but Hopefully now there's a generation of actually, no, I want to go travel the world. I want to start a business. I want to do something different, which yeah. is really important. I hope so. Yeah, because I think once, once you're in the, the rat race as such, it's really hard to take a step back. And it's, and it's, a, lot, it's a lot harder for your career progression too. Whilst when, it's worth noting that when I'm looking at people's CVs and someone's done something really interesting, like maybe they've done sort of um, something for charity or they've gone and explored the world or whatever it may be, rather than going straight into a job, it doesn't make me take them less seriously as an applicant. Yeah it makes me just think that someone who's interesting and was brave enough to, to pursue their passion. So that's okay. something that I would want to say, I can't say it to my younger self, but I want it to say to other people who are, who are getting ready to leave school or university is that um, you don't have to follow that traditional path and enter a graduate scheme to be employable in startups. We okay. want people who can think creatively and, and clearly have a passion 
because yeah. you need a lot of passion to, to keep up with with a tech startup. Hundred <laughs> percent. Um, yeah, thank you so much, Savannah. That was great advice, um, and it was really interesting to find out about Built ID. Um, as always, all our podcasts are live on iTunes um, and YouTube as well. So, Savannah, thank you so much. No, thank you. Really appreciate it. Bye. Thank Thank you.